Welcome back to This Week in Film. The weekly I love that theme song. The, the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past week. I'm Nick Panonto, joined as always by Matt Lauer over the world interweb. Hi, everybody. Hey, can I be Midwest Matt since I'm not Memphis Matt anymore? Midwest Matt? Yeah, it's uh, it's geographically accurate. Okay. Nice. We could do that. <laughs> I guess I could All try right. to figure out how to change that on the website. Well, I don't. I mean, this wasn't supposed to be a technical thing. We I mean, could just call me Matt. That's now it's a lot of. It's like 17 steps that I got to do now. So. But I'm not. But I'm not any of the other Matts. So. You're not Matt V. Matt V. We want to send a get well soon too. He broke half of his body while he was in California recently. Oh man! Yeah. Good luck, dude. He fell off of his bike or something. I don't know. He's, he's silly. Ouch. Yeah. He's okay, I guess. Spirits are high. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. He's been in a body cast or something. What? Probably making that part up, but he definitely uh. broke something. Uh, so feel better, Matt. Other Matt still working on day shift. I see him once a week. Uh, isn't there another Matt on the show besides you? Uh, Montana Matt? Montana. My brother, uh, he's never been on the show. Oh. We were going to do an episode with him, but then we forgot to. Would have been a good name. Yeah. You should take it before he can. But then he might become Midwest Matt as another (laughs) spite, and then I just get really confused. All right. So, Matt, you're calling us from where today? Our first call-in episode. Uh, from Naperville, Illinois. Wow. A suburb of Chicago. That's where all the podcast plays from Naperville come from. Tr- truth. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Matt, what yes. did you see this week? Uh, well, I saw two movies this week, you did? Uh, but you'll probably only want to hear about one of them. Because <laughs> I saw. Was one of them yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy? It is. Oh, great. I didn't get to see that yet. Well, I'll keep it spoiler free. Okay. Um, yeah, the other one was The Happening, but I think somebody already covered that on your show. I don't think we have. Really? No. Well, maybe I'll just talk about that instead. I I can remember the time that we watched The Happening together. Yeah, we watched it the right way. We did. We watched Lady in the Water first, and then The Happening, the happening. seems like a great movie <laughs> by comparison. It was amazing afterwards. Uh, <laughs> well... Without going into spoilers, tell us what you thought of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right. Um, well, and it's probably good for me to start out by saying I, I probably walk into it a little bit differently from most other people. Uh, I did like the first one, but not as much as everybody else. And it really, like, it had to win me over throughout the movie. Like at the beginning of the first guardians, I thought it was annoying. And then by the time it was over, I was like, Hey, this really grew on me. Um, the cancer death at the beginning of the movie didn't win you over immediately. (laughs) It was mostly the people. I thought they were (laughs) annoying. Um, and, and, but you know, somewhere about midway, the, the jokes that seemed like aspects of it that seemed cliche to me, I, I was getting into the groove that they were, you know, actually doing a pretty good job at poking fun of cliches. And and then I ended up, you know, enjoying it by the end. This one, I, I did go into it. Like I went, actually went to the theater to see it because I did end up enjoying the first one. Um, and especially for the first hour or so, I, 
it, I just was not enjoying it though. Uh, it's pretty clunky mm. and it's very, um, it, it's more driven by things about the characters than by a, uh, steady plot. Um, but it seems like everybody gets a monologue, that sort of thing. And they all seem a little bit forced. Uh, like at some point I, I was like, this reminds me of something. What is it? And then I realized it was reminding me of like sitcoms. Like I, like I was, there were beats where I'm waiting for laugh tracks. Uh, that said, the, the, the things that were plot aspects that also seemed to be all over the place did kind of come together towards the end. And I did end up kind of enjoying it by the end. So, so it, if I gave the first one a B, I'd give this one like a C plus. And, um, it, and yeah, it's it still like, I, it probably didn't win me over until maybe the last half hour. And then finally I was like, oh, okay, all right. I'm having a pretty good time now. Okay. Uh, um, but still, uh, but still better than average or. Um, I would say if, if you like the Avengers, like the first Avengers, then you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Um, and that's not a movie I enjoyed much. Um, but, uh, production wise, production value is fine. It's very colorful. So there you go. It's like, it's like trolls, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. Guardians of the galaxy too. Just like trolls. Now, did this movie have Justin Timberlake or Anna Kendrick in it singing their classic songs from the movie Trolls? You know, I remember at some point having a long discussion with myself about how it was lacking in Justin Timberlake uh, and Anna Kendrick. So, I mean, we could have a really long discussion about that if you want. Uh, I think it's more important that we just mention that Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick were in it. And that's what that's what really drives listenership. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad there were a lot of cameos and people I didn't expect to be in it. Um, or maybe not cameos might not be quite the right word, but a few, few faces or voices I wasn't expecting. Um, but no, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick, unfortunately, oh, there's always, just should have been in it. There's always volume three. Right. We can hope. Um, but, you know, actually, yeah. in, in terms of things that, that were fun, um, they might not have actually been the important parts of the movie, but they were the most fun. The character Drax. The the one that's played by the uh, wrestler Batista, yeah, is that right? who it is? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, him and he, so he he was pretty entertaining, um, which is funny because when you're watching a movie, you do not expect the part being played by a wrestler to be the highlight, right? Um, yeah. but it was for me. Um, uh, and, uh, I really enjoyed him in the first one. Like that was a, a surprise for me too. I thought he was going to be terrible, and he was a, yeah. a bright light for the first one. Yeah, and in this one, it's—I uh, I wouldn't say they necessarily change the character much, but I don't think in the first one he's actually laughing a lot. I think it's like he's so monotone. In this one, he's—he's he's actually laughing a lot, but it's still his like awkwardness and his bluntness and stuff that makes it funny. Um, and the other thing that I know everybody will probably just love is the little baby Groot, um, and it is adorable. So <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll give him that. Okay. Uh, all right. What what did you see? Well, uh I saw well, if I'm being totally honest, 
the movie that I'm going to talk about, I watched like two weeks ago, but I, we haven't had time. We haven't, we haven't been, uh, <laughs> box your clown. And, uh, the, uh, um, but just wanted to throw out that I watched rogue one again this past weekend with my wife. Cause she had not seen it. Oh uh, yeah. And, uh, briefly. And we, I mean, if we want to get into it, we can, uh, I, I don't think I like this movie. Oh man. Yeah. And, uh, it, it kind of pains me to say it like yeah. it's, it's leaps and bounds better than any of the prequels, which, which I feel That's pretty, pretty low bar. <laughs> I know. But like, I, like I feel greedy at this point, uh, mm. not liking it for, for such seemingly small things, but and and many much of it we went over in the previous podcast well, where where we talked about it but uh you and I saw it in the theaters together yeah and i watched it again this past weekend and i i thought after i saw it the first time when i i thought when i see it again i'll probably like it a little more like the the weight will be off the movie and, and no i was kind of just bored through the whole thing I was bored, like the story elements that struggle, really struggle on a repeat viewing. And uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, visually, just gorgeous. Like I love watching it. It looks yeah. great. Uh, it's just the stories. I feel like the story is just missing an emotional punch. You know, you know how it's going to end pretty much the whole time. So like the, the one thing you're supposed to care about is the characters. And you really don't like the only one you care about is the robot. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to rehash everything we said before because we did this once before with Batman, but well, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I, I guess I feel a little bit differently about it in terms of that. You're supposed to care about the characters a lot. I feel like it's more of like a, heist type movie but at the same time those things when they're done well like you know like oceans 11 or something like that where they're all trying to achieve some sort of uh you know stealing something mm -hmm. like the the characters do need to have some flavor to them and I, and and i think there's a reason that in rogue one most people do like the robot and the blind guy the most because the other characters really are kind of flat yeah like uh, even if it's I, not just about them, it's lacking that flavor. I had completely forgotten about the fake Adrian Brody guy who flies the plane, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, like all kinds of stuff like that. You know, just just completely forgettable characters. And and yeah, it just feels like a misfire. I, I, I'm really glad. Like I said before, I'm really glad it exists and that they yeah. tried something new. You know, they tried to tell a story without lightsabers and and all this stuff but the the final battle like the reason for the fight is not there and uh it's just kind of disappointing you know like i should want to watch a star wars movie yeah i could see that well and you and i had pretty different reactions even though you kind of enjoyed it the first time we still had pretty different reactions and you're coming at it as a star wars fan and i've never been a huge fan of star wars um, so that probably makes some kind of difference, but does, does it make you hopeful for future one-off? Uh, it kind of gives me, it kind of gives me a little of both where, where if they 
because this movie was very successful. I looked at the box office mojo page for it the other uh-huh. the other night after we watched it, and it made a billion dollars. Uh, the Force Awakens made two billion dollars. So really? uh, this is worldwide. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, like was was that what they were hoping for? Like a that big of a drop off between Star Wars movies? Because if if they weren't like if the movies like. I, I don't know how you could call a billion dollars a failure, but if it if it didn't make as much as they were hoping, then they're gonna stick with what they know makes money, you know, like lightsabers and big fights and mindless action. Whereas if this one hit their goals, then they'll continue doing experimental things with the universe. Well, I'm assuming that they will keep doing them. I, I guess what I'm wondering is if, as a Star Wars fan, like you said, you're glad they tried something new. And even though you didn't care for the movie much, like mm-hmm. you're glad they're doing that. Yeah. Does does that mean that you're excited to see what else they do make as singular movies? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm of- always going to be excited for a Star Wars movie, but uh, as far as like, I guess what you're really asking, like, are, is am I going to be psyched or am I going to be apprehensive going into the yeah. theater? Uh, I think I'm going to be apprehensive. Where okay. we're because, but I do the same thing with with the Marvel movies too, and the Marvel movies have I I'd say they've hit the mark nine out of ten times, you know, uh, for what I'm looking for. And every time I go to see them, I spend the first the the first time I watch them going, please don't suck, please don't suck. Yeah, and then it usually doesn't suck, um, and but I still don't give them the benefit of a doubt, even though I should. Which one didn't hit for you? Uh, Iron Man 2 oh, sucked. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, there's another one that wasn't super great. Avengers 2? Yeah, Avengers 2 wasn't that good. It was still better than Iron Man 2. But, yeah, all the other ones are fine. Cool. But, uh, but then the other movie that I watched the other yeah. week, but, uh, because I watched two different versions of it, I'm gonna talk about it. Because this is my show, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Be your guest. I'm going to start a new segment called Two Weeks Ago in Film. Um, and I watched uh, Ridley Scott's Alien, which is Ooh, which is, is the word prescient because the new Alien movie comes out this week. Yeah. Um, which I don't want to see. I have no interest in seeing that <laughs> at all. Um, not because of the first alien. The first alien is a masterpiece. It's yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, and I watched two different versions of it. I watched the theatrical version and I watched the director's cut because, uh, you know, what's, what's the difference and you can go online and, and they'll point out things, uh, like to the second, like, here's a difference here between the theatrical cut and the director's cut. Um, so I'm not going to really go into that too much, but I will say that the director's cut is garbage. It is, it is terrible compared to the theatrical version. Um, and, uh, based on what I read when Fox was putting together the box set of all four original alien movies, yeah. um, they said to Ridley Scott, Either you make a director's cut because uh, his Blade Runner director's cuts are very successful financially. Aren't there uh, either, like a thousand versions of that movie? Yeah, there are, which which is very confusing right now because that 
new blade did you see the new blade runner trailer that came out the other day no i haven't seen it yet it looks it looks good like the it's visually great it's very colorful I've never, I've never actually watched all of blade runner i tried turning it on once and it after about a half hour i think i was like oh, i'm not into this and i yeah, turned it off it's really boring but but like once you get past a certain point it's not boring Okay. I, I I tried to watch that movie about ten times before I like finally, like it for it finally clicked with me. I was like, this was awesome, and then I tried to watch it again. I was like, I'm so bored. <laughs> so it's yeah, I guess you just got to be in the right mood for it. But apparently, the final cut is the the version of it that you want. Okay. But you know, there I've only ever seen the director's cut. I don't know of uh, Blade Runner. But the alien one, Fox told him, what? Oh, no, I was going to say, you said Fox was kind of putting pressure on him? Yeah, they said that he needs to either do it or they're going to do it for him. And so he said, all right, well, I'll just do one. And apparently he just came in and just started chopping things and dumping things in. Like he didn't have his like heart behind it. He just did it because they. Uh, he said, if somebody's going to do it, it might as well be me. So the director's cut is a chopped up, mess and there are some extended sequences that don't really make any sense um you know like they they extend one sequence where when they first wake up on the ship um john hurt wakes up and he goes and makes himself a cup of coffee and we watch him make the coffee which is boring you know like like all the changes you're not a coffee drinker though no i'm not that's just coffee porn to the rest of us but recently i have learned that i do really enjoy the smell of coffee so maybe there's something changing within me oh maybe i'm there's still time to change if if rocky can change (laughs) and that big dude from rocky can change we can all change we can all change See? Dolph Lundgren. Um, so, you know, like I was saying, it's just chopped up mess of a film. Um, the theatrical version is the superior version. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's really all I wanted to say about it. I, there's nothing that I can say about Alien that hasn't been said a thousand times by a hundred different people. Um, more intelligent than me. But, um, man, is it build a world so fast in terms of of world building and and lock you into it that in the first 10 minutes of the movie you know who all the characters are uh except for the alien and um spoiler alert whose name is steve yeah you find out by the end i'm gonna buy the alien (laughs) i'm gonna get you with my little mouth and um the uh and in fact, I was I was watching somebody do a review. Uh, I think it was a YouTube guy, uh, Chris. Oh, that guy, Chris Stuckman. Chris Stuckman? Yeah, yeah, Stuckman. Yeah, you told me about him. Uh, he did. He did a, a YouTube. Re- he did a review on YouTube of Alien recently, and he said uh, he made a good point where he says you don't know who the main character is of the movie until only Sigourney Weaver is left. Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a great point. And then like after it was his review of the movie that got me to watch it because he was talking about the differences between the theatrical and the director's cut. And I was like, well, I'm going to check it out for myself. And so I did. 
And uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, you really think that Tom's Tom Stoppard is it? Tom Stoppard? Oh, uh, you. Uh, Tom Stoppard's a writer, right? I'm not good with names. Oh my god, I can't remember his name. Let's just call him Tom Stoppard, the writer. Is uh, <laughs> you think he's going to be the main character because he's the captain of the ship? He's a he's first oh. of all he's a guy. And, Wait, are you uh, talking about Tom Skerritt? Tom Skerritt, yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Tom Sizemore and uh, <laughs> Tom Tom Hiddleston, right? Tom Arnold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to see Alien remade with Tom Arnold <laughs> as the alien. You know, you think you think it's going to be Tom Arnold? That's the he's the captain of the ship. He's in charge. Everybody listens to him, and it turns out it's just the uh, communications lady who lives on the ship. If it, if this movie were a Star Trek, um movie with like the original crew it would have been ohura is the hero of the movie which i think even in the late 70s that was pretty novel as far as uh uh being a progressive movie uh you know having a female lead and all that stuff so it's 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 a very great example of storytelling without a lot a lot going on and and even alien like the, the theatrical cut which is fine has a lot of garbage in it too like all the stuff with the android is dumb um like there's a lot of conspiracy like all this stuff like it adds to the movie but it's it's unnecessary but i like it the yeah end. i don't i don't I, <laughs> there's uh, that's one of those movies that to me it's like jaws like to me it's perfect and so i don't i've never thought of any of those parts as being like silly or anything there i think there's a lot in in the first alien um you know as opposed to aliens that uh that i guess you might say it's not necessary but it still adds something in terms of atmosphere and um context for the characters yeah so, so that's my part yeah well i i would i would agree i mean and if you if you want to transfer what the people on the ship are going to you could compare it to like one of those um deadliest Save catch episodes yeah uh, <laughs> like the episode where screech gets a job on the deadliest catch and <laughs> uh but yeah if you take a ship like the deadliest catch that goes out to sea um you know they're they're isolated they're alone you know you could pretend like the the crew is in the middle of the in the middle of space you know they can't get home anytime soon and they have a job to do um you know uh, everybody on the ship gets a share, you know, like people that could complain about wages based on the work that they have to do compared to what the captain's doing up there and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think you could make that kind of comparison about the movie and then imagine if an alien attacked the, the crab fishman. Well, I was going to say, I'd totally go back and watch the deadliest catch if there was like a giant crab that started eating people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, alien is uh totally worth watching. And while we're on the subject of aliens, I also watched the movie Contact. Uh, and uh, yeah. I love Contact. I love it. I know you don't. You don't really like it. I no. I I actually I saw it twice. I think I saw it twice in the theater. Um, I I enjoyed it. I just didn't really dig the end. And then now that Arrival has happened, um, I just am like, well, Arrival is what I wished Contact was. So it's that's that's my thing on that so anyway but you loved contact Go for it. yeah I, I love contact and um 
uh, Alien needs no introduction, but perhaps Contact does. Uh, Jodie Foster is a, she works for SETI, I guess, and uh, mm-hmm. she listens for alien communications, and they get one. They, they get this signal. It's broadcasting from a nearby star. Uh, they're able to decipher the message, and it's to build this giant machine. They don't know what the machine's going to do. Jodie Foster goes in the... Oh, also, Tom Skerritt is in this movie. I did not remember that. Yeah, he's the uh, the jerk, uh, the guy who works for like the president who takes her job from her and all that stuff. He's, he's kind of the antagonist, besides James Woods. Um... And uh, that James Woods was in it either. Uh, yeah, he plays I know the uh, he plays the Michael Flynn character. Uh, he's like the national security advisor. Gotcha. I know. I'm Gary sorry. Busey's Michael Flynn is no longer is the national security advisor. It's a lot of news. Well, whoever is probably won't be for very long either. No. Uh, yeah, Jake Busey. Uh, Jake Busey blows up the, the machine. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we're going to talk about the movie Contact, so turn it off if you don't want to know about it. Jake Busey blows up the machine. Spoiler Uh, alert, Matthew McConaughey's in the movie. Matthew McConaughey is there, and um, there's another one. Jodie Foster goes to an interdimensional picnic on the beach with her dad. And um, anyway, so you were saying the her dad, uh, or the the way the movie ends, um, where she's she's on this other world and uh what what i what i really take from that scene isn't so much that hey we we uh we don't understand you at all um we don't know who you are but while you were asleep we downloaded your entire brain and this image weighs heavily in your mind, and you're the only one of your species that we've come across, so we figured you'd want to talk to this person. We thought that the speaking through him with us, through this like you know computer-generated image of him, would be uh, easier for you than giant tentacle monsters. And w- what I take away most from that entire scene isn't so much that uh, early in the movie, they ask Jodie Foster, "What what would you ask them when you when you meet them? What what will you say?" And she says, "Well, I'd ask them about you know why are we here? What what is what is our purpose in this universe? What what's the reasoning that we're all here?" And the alien doesn't know; he has no idea the the way that she gets there through the interdimensional highway or or wormhole system. Um. It was set up by another species that has long since gone extinct. And these aliens uh, that she's speaking to are searching for the same answers. And I think that they were hoping that Jodie Foster would have them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she doesn't. And so it, it, the idea is that nobody knows. Nobody knows. There's no That's higher power out disappointment there. Disappointment for them. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they're better at it, better at it, you know, but, uh, I think that's, that's very, it's a very heavy, uh, mindset that like, even if you come across this unbelievably advanced civilization, they still won't have the answers that you want. Right. Yeah. They're still going to have the same existential questions. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how much, you know, if you don't have the answers that somebody wants to ask. 
Now, uh, it's been, like I said, I saw it in the theaters, and I haven't seen it since. Um, but I seem to recall that movie being very long. As as an adult, does it feel well-paced? I think it's perfect. I think it's, yeah. it's great. Um, it is very long. It's about two and a half hours long. Um, there's probably a few things here or there that could be cut out, but but I really enjoy it. Uh, the movie is based off of a book that Carl Sagan wrote. Okay. And um, I really loved the book when I was a kid too. I read it before I saw the movie. So I, I appreciated like all the little detail touches. I couldn't tell you anything about the book today other than like the Jodie Foster character was in it. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know who's not in the book is Matthew McConaughey. They invented... Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but they put Matthew McConaughey in the movie to, uh, represent a whole bunch of characters. Um, and, uh, I think they did a great job. Uh, you know, like they, they forced this love story into it, but it's, it's not too bad. Uh, like yeah, I, I like the say, Matthew I, McConaughey I, I, character. I think he's handled very well. I, I was going to say, I thought, I thought I remembered, um, feeling like the romance side of things was a little forced. Yeah. Uh, I also back then I, I I like hated Matthew McConaughey's guts, so <laughs> that that might have tainted things a little bit too. And then at the end, when the guy who plays her father is there, um, I don't know if anybody would remember this, but he was in a terrible Stephen King TV movie called The Langoliers. Yeah, and uh, I think when he showed up, suddenly I felt like it went from being a a legit movie to being like something made by lifetime just because i i only associated with him with this really cheap stephen king movie (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's time for me to crack out uh contact again and give it a shot i i would recommend everybody watch it 40 times yeah my wife wanted to watch nocturnal animals or not what is that amy adams i think you're right i think that's what it is is it nocturnal creatures uh, one of those has to be a horror be. movie. <laughs> and um, I think you're right. I think it is nocturnal. I was like, I don't want to watch this <laughs> right now. Like, cause I know I'm going to have to really pay attention and stuff. Cause Ray raves about it. And, um, and she goes, well, what about contact? You, you want to watch contact? And I look at her and go, I always want to watch contact. Let's put it on. So that's, that's impressive. Cause I can't say there are too many, Two and a half hour movies that I always want to watch. Yeah, it's uh, Wait, how, how long is Jaws? Is it two and a half? Probably two hours? and a half. Yeah, that's the exception. Yeah, like I could, I could watch, I could always watch Jaws, Contact, Shawshank, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. Uh, there's probably a few others where where if someone just suggests it. Eh. What? You know what's really a shame is they never made a sequel to that. Uh, you know, but thank God, because what if they were terrible? Yeah. Remember that game where he's climbing the ladder and he's all weird? No. <laughs> he's just like a Matrix video game where whoever your character is climbs up a ladder and he looks like a spider monster. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, that's coming back to me now. Uh, was that Enter the Matrix? I the think Path you're right. Neo? Something like that. Yeah. I know one of the, we played a couple of those games and one of them was really good. I think it was that one, the the one with the goofy ladder. That's the, the one we like climb. played for 30 hours straight and 
we beat it and then said, well, I'm never playing this again. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're done with that. Well, this has been you know, this week in video games. Well, okay. So if we want to do a little side project on that, I'm going to go with, there is one game that you and I played way back in the day that I would recommend to anybody who can get their hands on a Nintendo GameCube. And that is a game called Eternal Darkness. Yeah. And that game, like, if I don't you, want to spoil any right, of the things yeah. that happen with it, but it messes with you as a player in the room. Like, it's sort of four-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, if you could get a copy of Eternal Darkness and a GameCube, although if you have a Nintendo Switch or a Wii U or whatever, you could probably just download it. I, I don't know how. I don't have a Wii U or a Switch. Yeah, I mean, but, um... Yeah, don't look up anything about the game. Go into it as as blind as you can, and it is a pretty fun experience to play. Yeah. And I'm really surprised they never followed that up with anything. There was no sequel to that game. Well, it's got so many creative and clever tricks. Maybe they used them all. You know, maybe they're like, "Well, we couldn't come up with new things like that." That's which is true. How, yeah, how things should end. You know, rather yeah. than just beating things to death. Yeah, that's uh, true. But the longer you play the game, the more it starts. the The more creative it gets with how it messes with you. There were a couple times where Nick and I would like be playing. Something would happen, and we would like look at each other and go, "Oh my God, what do we do?" But it wouldn't even be like, how do you get through this thing in the game? It would right. be like it was, something went wrong. Something went wrong, <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. and you're and you're just in shock because you know, you're grinding out a game over like a, a weekend or whatever, and you're like all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, you're like lost. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been this week in video games and film. You look very concerned. I can see your face. I know you can't see me, but you look very concerned. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, I'm surprised you can see me because I'm in a closet and it's dark. You look great. Uh, nice. Thank you. Viewers at um, home, Matt looks great. Uh, yeah, nice. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> um, I also look great. Do we, uh, with, with the few minutes that are remaining, did you want to do one round of movie versus... Batman versus something. Batman versus movie, Dawn of Movie? That's the one. Uh, sure. We All could right. do that. Uh, and I know, well, wait, do you want to give it a try this time? Do you want to name a movie? You name one first. Uh, isn't that what makes it hard for you, though? Yep. Okay. Um, so does the naming one blind, though, so. Okay. Um, how about... Uh, 310 to Yuma. Ooh, that movie's great. Um, and then I'll say Tombstone. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's rough, because 310 to Yuma is like... Excellent. That's a really... Yeah, like, a quality-wise, that is super quality, but Tombstone, Tombstone hits all the good, <laughs> yeah. nostalgic, you know... It's the fun version. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, in Tombstone, I mean, I, I know at this point, pre, they're probably, especially like younger people, don't even know how great Val Kilmer was. Um, but Tombstone has Val Kilmer in it, just killing it as Doc Holliday. I, if if that movie didn't have Val Kilmer, I don't think it would be as well regarded. Not at all. Uh, Not at all. Like anybody else in that role would have probably sucked. 
just been yeah. way, way too hokey. And especially, have you looked into the production history of that movie at all? Um, I know a few things about it. I know it was competing with Wyatt Earp and that, like, I think Wyatt Earp, they, the people who were making it bought all the Western costumes in Hollywood. And then the, like, so the people who were making Tombstone had to get their costumes from another country and stuff. But that's, I, I don't know much else. What, what well, like now? the director got fired from the movie and then the guy they brought on wasn't very good. So Kurt Russell basically directed the movie. Oh, um, like Good a whole bunch of Kurt Russell. Yeah, it's a like but like the hokiness of it because it is pretty hokey is yeah. is tonally perfect. Like it all works it and it, and it shouldn't. It really shouldn't, but it's so great. Yeah, it's 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 one of those few movies that can have some drastically different flavors and not feel like it's confused about its tone. Yeah. Um yeah. And if, if I could take one thing out of the movie, it would be the dialogue that involves Dana Delaney's character and Kurt Russell's wider. Like, Is that the actress? Yeah. Yeah. I would just get rid of her altogether. <laughs> she, she's really the worst part of the movie. Not, not cause she's the actress did a poor job or anything. It's just, I just don't care for, I don't I want more everything else, but like all that stuff happened. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, and that's the other thing about it. It's for a movie that's a, that is as corny as it is, you would think that it's very inaccurate. And yeah. apparently it's not. Yeah, apparently so. it's very... The facts are pretty much right. And but. and the moments that have like action going on or sort of dramatic um, interplay between characters are really, really good at that. Like the hokey moments do not take away from like the shootout at the OK Corral, that's an exciting scene. Yeah. And when he's hunting down all the Red Scarf gang guys, that's that montage is just yeah. perfect. And it's got the it's Western music, you know, like lots of like flutes and brass yeah. instruments, you know. Um, but it, it, it has the soundtrack of a movie much older than it, like a movie from the 50s, like a Western from the 50s, but with the sensibilities of the 90s. And a lot of people in their prime, like, um, you know, you got Val Kilmer, but you also like, like, I don't know if you've seen much of Powers Booth since back then, but with him and Michael Bean and the cowboy gang, yeah, like they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of like right at the end of Michael Bean. Like, I don't know what happened to him. Where did he go? Um, I saw a review of some movie that he was in that was like a straight to DVD kind of thing. And it it didn't look great for him, um, so that's let's let's just pretend he he retired and he was like I'm gonna go do fun things now that I'm rich off of my acting. I love it. Um, but uh, Three Ten to Yuma is another excellent western. Yeah, um, with uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale, just a bunch of English and Australian guys running around in the old west. Yeah, and and sort of a a slow burn, but a really consistent. Yeah, like it it really it you can feel it congealing throughout the movie. Like I, 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 weird comparison, but with the Guardians of the Galaxy thing, I was like, man, I need to feel like this is coming together, and it 
took a long time to go like, okay, this is actually paying off. Yeah. Throughout 310 to Yuma, you can feel it. You're like, this is going somewhere good. Yeah. And, and it does. Uh, the 310 to Yuma does a really great job of establishing the ticking clock. Um, I mean, I know they have to make a certain train at a certain time in order to get him to jail and all. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, like as the, like every minute that goes by in the movie, there's more and more and more tension. And yeah. I mean, there are a few moments of levity here and there, but but for the most part, everything is building up to that that final scene, and you really don't know how it's going to end because right. because of everything that's happened in the movie, it could go either way. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you can you can tell it's going somewhere, but it doesn't feel predictable. Or right, anything. and it's it's satisfying too. It doesn't feel cheap. Oh man, this is going to be a hard vote. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Tombstone just because just because Tombstone's another movie that I could put on whenever whenever it's on. See, and I think I've got to go Well, I think quality-wise I have to go 310 to Yuma, but as far as like a movie I want to put in the DVD player at any point in time, that's Tombstone. I've seen it. I saw 310 to Yuma once. I've seen Tombstone probably yeah. 30 times. I've seen 310 to Yuma a few times. Uh, uh, I, I'm still going to have to go with I'm still going to have to go with Tombstone. Uh, and I'm thinking right now like I'm going to watch one of these movies tonight and it's going to be Tombstone. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go Tombstone yeah. too, but it's but it's with the qualifier that I know 310 to Yuma's better. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like 310 to Yuma's the better directed movie. It's the better acted movie it's got a better story i'm gonna go with tombstone <laughs> <laughs> now i don't know that when it comes to the acting i think 310 yuma consistently across the people is better acting but michael being val kilmer powers booth and even kurt russell in tombstone i'm like i don't know they they, they are drawn back by uh you know rest in peace bill paxton oh yeah and dana delaney oh yeah sam elliott sam, sam elliott great he plays sam elliott so, so I'd say like the highlights in Tombstone balance out the drawbacks, but uh, so I'd say acting wise, I'd say they're actually sort of even. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, but okay, Tombstone. <laughs> but you know what would be a good comparison with Three Ten to Yuma is um, uh, Master and Commander. Oh. So maybe maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, we'll do maybe that. a future. Movie versus, versus movie, movie versus Dawn of Superman. Movie, Dawn of Justice, Dawn of Wonder Woman. <laughs> we'll have to see. Oh that yeah, in I'll a have, to, have to see that one. Yeah, uh, really looking forward right. to it. All right, uh, Matt. I know you got to get going. You have anything to uh, plug? Uh, mental health, of course, and uh, mental health. Everybody, if you if you're feeling like you're stuck, go call a therapist or you know listen to some podcasts. Here we go. Tara Brock, T A R A B R A C H. It's like. $40,000 worth of free therapy in podcast form. She's a Buddhist therapist on the East Coast. They're awesome. So check those out. Okay. And uh, check us out at thisweekinfilm.com. Uh, rate and review the show. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us for our first ever phone episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, we'll see you soon. If that's the end Peace of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Sounds good. <laughs>